Quotation from the book F.F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer, one that has had profound effect on our marriage and me and Anna. We've been listening to this book off and on for years, and we believe you should get this book, read it, and, and study it, and listen to it on YouTube for the, where the grandson does the narrating, mm-hmm. and you can feel the Holy Spirit. You can feel the love for his grandfather and it's incredible work of art that the son does, the grandson. We're going to quote, Anna and I are going to quote some things like like this quote that F.F. Bosworth said, Praying for healing with the faith destroying words, if it be thy will, is, is planting the seed, it is destroying the seed. It's not planting the seed, it's destroying the seed. In other words, it's already plain to see that it is God's will that we be healed. Right, right. Okay. Okay, some people wonder why they can't have faith for healing. They feed their body three hot meals a day and they're... And they're a snack once a week to their spirit. A day and their spirit one cold snack a week. Okay. A spiritual law that few recognize is that our confession rules us. It is what we confess with our lips that really dominates our inner being. Praying for healing with the faith destroying words. If it be thy will is not planting the seed. It is destroying it. You don't have to beg God just have to act upon his word. Amen. You just have to act. We must know what the benefits of Calvary are before we can appropriate them by faith. Wow. Beautiful. F.F. Bosworth. Mm -hmm. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and he healed their sick. Matthew 14, 13. If you want to receive life and healing from God, take time to find the words of Scripture that promise these results. Faith for the approbation of God's promise, blessing, is the result of knowing and acting on God's word. Romans 10, 17. Continue to believe that God gave you what you asked for when you prayed, thanking and praising Him for what He has given, and it will always materialize. The sacrifice of praise and the giving of thanks is continually done in the fate realm. This is before our blessings have been changed into the visible. When we steadfastly believe and act our faith in God's word, nothing can keep the power in the word from making all things to become exactly... Seeing only what God says will produce and increase faith. This makes it easier to believe than to doubt. The evidence for faith is so much plain. When we steadfastly believe and act our faith in God's word, nothing can keep the power in the word from making all things to become exactly as the word says. Believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. When we have learned the process of faith for receiving healing, we have learned how to receive everything else God promises in our in His Word. 
Real faith rejoices in the promises of God as if it saw the deliverance and was enjoying it. <laughs> God would rather have us doubt his ability than his willingness. Wow. Hmm. Your success and usefulness in the world is going to be measured by your confession and by the tenacity with which you hold fast that confession under all circumstances. Tenacity, holding fast, confessing in all circumstances. Let not God's word depart from thine eyes. Keep it in the midst of thine heart that is, look steadfastly and continuously, continuously and only at the evidence God gives for your faith. Your success and usefulness in the world is going to be measured by your confession and by the tenacity which, which you hold fast, that confession under all circumstances. We see from almost every conceivable angle throughout the scripture that there is no doctrine more clearly taught that is God's will it is. to heal all who have need of healing and that they may fulfill the number of their days according to his promise. The ground seed of doubt, you are trying to raise one kind of crop from another kind of seed. It is impossible to sow tares and reap wheat. Your symptoms may point you to death, but God's word points you to life. Amen. And you cannot look on these opposite directions all at the same time. That's right. Let not God's word depart from thine eyes. Keep it in the midst of thine heart. That is, look steadfastly and continuously and only at the evidence God gives for your faith. When the farmer gets his seed into the ground, he does not dig it up every day to see how it's going, going on, but says, I'm glad that it's settled. He believes the seed has begun his work. Why not have the same faith in the imperishable seed, Christ's words, which say they are spirit and life. Amen. Before people can have a steadfast, steadfast faith for the healing of their body, they must be rid of all uncertainty concerning God's will in the matter. Appropriating faith cannot go beyond one's knowledge of the revealed will of God. Before attempting to exercise faith for healing, one needs to know what the scriptures plainly teach. That is just as much God will, that it's just as much as God's will to heal the body as, as it is to heal the soul. Powerful, Lord. We see from almost every conceivable angle throughout the scripture that there is no doctrine more clearly taught than that it is God's will to heal all who have need of healing and that they may fulfill the number of the days according to his promise. <clears throat> I have seen faith rise mountain high when the truth of God's present love and compassion begins to dawn upon the minds and hearts of the people. It is not what God can do, but what we know he yearns to do that inspires our faith. When your eyes are upon the symptoms and your mind is occupied with them more than with God's word, you have in the ground the wrong kind of seed for the harvest that you desire. You have in the ground seeds of doubt. You are trying to raise one kind of crop from another kind of seed. It is impossible to sow tares and reap wheat. Your symptoms may point you to death, but God's word points you to life. Amen. Wow. Amen. That was 
FF Bosworth comments. Yes, and I'd just like to say one very important fact from what he was saying is that faith, and this is in the book, the quote, it says, faith begins when the will of God is known, right? So understanding what the word of God says and the evidence it shows you that that's God's will for you to uh to prosper in your health and to and to be healthy it is his will it's never his will for you to suffer sickness and disease and and um and and walk around sick it's just not the evidence shows that Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed from the devil, healing all the sicknesses and diseases. So I, I, what I received from this is they're encouraging you to find those scriptures so you can get that into your spirit so that you can begin to build your faith. Amen. Yeah. Some people wonder why they can't have faith for healing. They feed their body three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a day, a week. Mm -hmm. One cold snack a week. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. So, you know, the scripture plainly says, those who love the word will find good. Proverbs 16, 20, I believe. And Joshua 1, 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein. Day and night, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. How many, how many of us open the book in the evening, let a, or open it in the morning and spend an hour, and then the evening spend another, another uh, more hours? We usually put you know maybe five, ten, fifteen minutes in the evening, and hopefully an hour in the in the morning. But throughout the day, it would be good to have. Um, a praying. That's for me. I'm talking to myself. And Praise God. Yes, and another good. When we confess what God's word says, that's the it's spirit and it's life to your mortal body. So you know we got to speak. If if it's not gonna, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, don't speak it. You you don't want to say, well, this is. You know, don't focus so much on your symptoms as much as you would focus on the Word of God and the truth. That might be true. You might be sick, or this this is might be the diagnosis. However, and that might be fact, but the truth overrides that fact. We have to go back to the truth, which is the Word of God. What does God's report say about your situation? So, you know, some people have a condition that they've had for years, and they will... They will possess it. They'll use words like my diabetes, my this, my that, as if they're hanging on to it. You want to quote the word, you know, as it says in Isaiah 53, 5, um, or 53, 5, yes. Um, By his stripes, we are healed. Okay. Um, And Jesus bore all this, the, the, um, all the sickness and disease on his body when he went to the cross. So you want to stay planted in the in the word of God that says 
Jesus has provided healing for you. It belongs to you. It's part of your inheritance. And you just camp there. Don't own that sickness. Even though you might have symptoms. I mean, I'm not saying deny the symptoms. I'm saying that God, God's word is powerful and alive. And we confess it. And you sow those seeds. It's going to produce a harvest. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, uh, we understand that F.F. Bosworth is like an attorney, like a lawyer. He puts precept upon precept. Mm -hmm. And he says, one thing about, about the Lord is that we need to know our rights. Yes. You know, and bring out the scriptures that claim our rights. It says, we're healed by the blood of Jesus. We're healed by the stripes of his back, find out where they're at, and then rewrite them in our own pamphlet and study them and start claiming them and raising up to God in your hand and say, Lord, you commanded these words to take place. You commanded the blessing to be, I am healed. It says right here, and that if I should call upon the Lord, I shall be saved. I need, I need saving from this sickness. I need saving, Lord. You don't have to beg God. You just have to act upon his word, as the attorney would say. We're not p putting up with our side of the bargain. What God tells us, you know, what he tells us we can do is we can close the door and pray on our knees. We can we can search the word of God and write down His what he said about it. That's an accurate prayer. We must know what the benefits of Calvary are before we can appropriate them by faith, says F.F. Balfour. And studying the Word of God will give us faith. It's, it's a side benefit that faith bring, comes out through our imaginations. The benefits of Calvary. And Jesus' Jesus' will is... He demonstrated by his actions. He went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion and he healed all, all their sick all, and all those ones filled with demons. He cast out demons out of people and continued to cleanse. So that's his will. If you want to receive life and healing from God, take time to find the words of Scripture like I said, that promises results. Faith for the approbation, appropriation of God's promise, blessing, is the result and knowing and acting on God's word. Like for instance, memorizing Psalms 23 gives us Amen. faith. That's right. You know, Psalms 103, 103. gives us faith. Psalms Amen. 18, you mm -hmm. know. Third John um, uh, 2. 1 John 3, 2. Wait. No, 3 John 2. Beloved. I, I, oh, no. I pray above that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Knowing and acting on God's word is the hardest thing you're going to do in your life if you're sick, if you're poor, if you, especially if you have a broken heart. Knowing and acting on God's word is our ticket that God sees us. He wants us to hustle. Get out there and hustle. Towards the desire. Continue to believe that God gave you what you asked for when you pray. Thanking and praising him for what he has given. And it will uh, materialize itself. 
Amen. We continue to believe and thank God for what we pray. We ask for and when we prayed and thanking and praising him. So let's pray and thank God. Thank you, God, that we're healed. Your word says by your stripes we're healed. We're healed by the blood of the Lamb. And the Lord sent his word and he healed them. Hallelujah. Jesus went through all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease. Amen. Matthew 4.23. And Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. You know, to get healing, you can write that verse, all those verses of healing. Give me another one. That verse on Isaiah. Yeah. And uh, there's also uh, another one in Peter. Revelations okay. eleven twelve. Okay. The devil was defeated by the blood, blood of the, the Lamb, Lamb. And the, the word of, of our testimony. testimony is what we say. Yes, amen. You know, it's very important. We don't use the word, it's killing me, it's horrible, horrible. Right. You're getting exactly, you're claiming that, you know. You know, this always eats my lunch. You're always, you know. People don't seem to understand. Oh, no, they're just words. Right, that's, that's true. And Jesus says that by our words, we're going to be right. acquitted or blessed by yeah. our words. But the Proverbs also say there's life and death in the power of our tongue. So always speak life for your situation, regardless of what the natural realm shows you. You're, you're making the right confession for the spiritual realm where we start to make changes and, and the actions taking place you, with our words. Amen. Did you know that the scriptures also say that you can fall in love with words? You can fall in love with a neg negative work of uh, it's horrible, horrible. People get in the habit. You can fall in love with the words it's killing me, it's killing me or I love her to death. This yeah. is a common one that people's most stupidest thing a person can say right. is, is, is bring death unto a child, unto a loved one, mm -hmm. you know, or yourself by claiming it. The devil has infiltrated and it's the devil's spirit that's gets people to say it. There was an accident that was reported and the man was walking around and he, and he was fine, the guy, the driver. And he was helping everybody, you know, sit up in their cars and, and, and pulling them out and so forth. And four or five days later, he died and the other people didn't die. And they found out that he always used to say, you know, it's killing me, it's killing me. You're killing me, it's killing me. You know, and, and he fell in love with those words. Are you in love with words, negative words? Try and fall in love. All is well. Easy does it. God is easy. Something good is going to happen. You know, uh, something good is on its way. Fall in love with precious good words, saying wonderful, wonderful, wonderful for the day. Uh, beautiful, say, words of life and words of life we will have, you know. And you make it a game. You say, hey, you know, 
it's going to profit me. How am I going to get a profit out of this situation? I thank God for this problem. I thank God for my life. Anything else, honey? Uh, no. I mean, there's this, a lot. This, <laughs> the sacrifice of praise and the giving of thanks is continually done in the fate realm. Yeah, wow, beautiful. So when you have a sacrifice, you have to have sacrifice a problem. you wow, got to sacrifice wonderful. something's wrong. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise, that you don't feel like praising and giving thanks to the Lord when you're hurting. Right. You know, this, this is powerful, what you just said, because it says there, this is before our blessings have been changed into their visible form. The sacrifice of praise and being thank, you know, being in thanksgiving, that's done in the faith realm, right? Right. So, you know, we we want to stay in that uh, attitude of gratefulness and thanksgiving to the Lord for what's good. There's a lot of good happening around us all the time, and and just thanking Him as if it's done, right? Thanking right. Him that your healing is done, Lord. By your stripes I'm healed. It's it's the word says it. And that's what we confess. We thank you, Lord. You're my healer. You're my physician. I put my trust in you, Lord. You're powerful. Your word is the truth. You keep on throwing up praise bombs. Okay? Up into the faith realm, like it says there. And then you'll begin to see your blessings changed into the manifesting here so you can begin to see it so yeah it takes it takes confession takes thanksgiving more importantly right amen amen well thank you everyone for coming on here much appreciate it um and, and just to also note that on youtube christ the healer the book is already narrated as fernando said earlier by is it his son his grandson his grandson okay so it's like like it has like nine nine video uh nine videos online and it's something you can just put on YouTube and let it let it get into your spirit. Remember it's the green book that says yeah. Christ the, the healer. healer. It's the green yeah. book with a tree right. and white background right. of green grass and it's by glorious church the name of the people that put out his, there's no commercials, F.F. F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer. Right. You can hear it yeah. as you do your work. Yeah, and there's about, it looks like on this one there might be 10 videos, but we, you know, it's so good to begin to hear, you know, we can't spend time in the book all the time if you want to hear it. It's really anointed. And, you know, Fernando, you and I, typically like to play this book throughout the house in the morning. That's part of our regimen, right? So, Amen. and it, it, sometimes when we go to sleep, so it's just real, real anointed and it really, um, it will help you tremendously to, you know, for you to begin to walk in that realm of faith and begin to believe for your healing, that it is God's will for you to be well. And, and be healed so study this and just listen to it until you know that you know in your spirit that that's god wants you well you amen know, he's not teaching you a lesson by 
the sickness you're going to, what he'll do is he'll turn it around for good for you. So you want to focus on the goodness of God. Your daddy wants to be kind to you. He wants to bless you. And it's our job to receive those blessings. These are some of the titles of the book, Christ the Healer. Introduction. Did Jesus redeem us from the curse? Okay, it's like an attorney. You want to settle down the foundation. We're building the foundation. Christ the Healer is healing for all people. You want to settle that? So there's a whole 40 minutes on that. And then another 40 minutes on the Lord's compassion, or 33 minutes. So we're building on it. Once we start seeing how much God loves us, we start letting that love in. Uh, How to appropriate faith. This is one of my favorite chapters, chapter 5. Chapter 6, appropriating faith. Chapter 7, how to have your prayers answered. Chapter 8, the fullness of God's life. 9, God's garden. 10, why some fail to receive. And 11, Christ the healer, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today's teaching and reading. We thank you that you carry us on your shoulder and you make us well in all areas of your life. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for these things. Amen. You hang on a second. I'll give you a taste of the grandson's voice. How to appropriate the redemptive and covenant blessing of bodily healing. Please note this. In this message, we are repeating a few of the statements made in our previous lesson in order that this one message shall contain enough to lay a complete foundation for faith. Amen. And I'm listening from chapter... Five. Thank you so much. God bless. bless. Have a good one. Lesson five from F.F. Bosworth's book, Christ the Healer. In lesson five, we discuss this subject, how to appropriate the redemptive and covenant blessing of bodily healing. Please note this. In this message, we are repeating a few of the statements made in our previous lesson in order that this one message shall contain enough to lay a complete foundation for faith. This is done for the benefit of some who may need the prayer of faith for their healing before they have time to listen to the entire series. The first step toward being healed is the same as the first step toward salvation or any other blessing that God promises. The sick person must know what the Bible clearly teaches, that it is God's will to heal until one has lived out the allotted span of life. Each individual sufferer must be convinced by the word of God that his or her healing is the will of God. It is impossible to have real faith for healing as long as there is the slightest doubt as it's being God's will. It is impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing which we are not certain that God offers because the power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. For instance, it would be next to impossible to get a sinner to believe unto righteousness before you had fully convinced him that it was God's will to save him. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith must rest on the will of God alone, not on our desires or wishes. Appropriating faith is not believing that God can, but that he will. 
those who claim to believe in healing but say one word in favor of it and ten words against it cannot produce faith for healing. When God commands us to pray for the sick, he means us to pray with faith. We could not do this if we did not know his will in the matter. Until a person knows God's will, they have no basis for faith because faith is expecting God to do what we know it is his will to do. It is not hard when we have faith to get God to do his own will. When we know it is his will, it is not difficult for us to believe that he will do what we are sure he wants to do. It is in this way that every saved person has experienced the still greater miracle of the new birth. There can be no appropriation by faith until we are made to know by the gospel what God has provided for us. There is no doctrine more emphatically taught throughout the word of God than that through the atonement of Christ, both salvation and bodily healing were provided. It is God's will to take away sickness of his own people and to fulfill the number of their days according to his promise in Exodus 23, verses 25 and 26. As the types in Leviticus 14 and 15 show that it was invariably through the atonement that sickness was healed under the law of Moses, so Matthew 8.17 definitely states that Jesus healed all diseases on the ground of atonement. This scripture shows us that Christ's reason for making no exceptions while healing the sick who thronged him was his atonement, which he made for all of Adam's race, including you. As multitude after multitude pressed upon him to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, it is repeatedly stated throughout the Gospels, he healed them all. This can be seen through the following references. Matthew 4, verse 24, chapter 12, verse 15, chapter 14, verse 14, Luke, chapter 4, verse 40, Acts, chapter 10, verse 38. He could make no exceptions. Why? Because in his coming atonement, he himself took our infirmities. Since it is our infirmities he bore, it requires the healing of all to fulfill this prophecy. God carefully put this in such language that we would have to misquote it to leave ourselves out. God's way of saving the soul, of healing the body, and of doing everything else he wants to do is to send his word, his promise, and then keep the promise wherever it produces faith. The divine procedure in healing is stated in the text. He sendeth his word, and healeth them, and delivereth them from their graves. Psalm 107, verse 20. It is the word of God which effectually worketh in them that believeth, and is health to all their flesh. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12. Also at Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 22. Just as a little girl's faith for a new dress comes by hearing the promise of her mother to buy it next Saturday, so faith for healing comes by hearing God's word or promise to do it. Both the little girl's faith and ours cometh by hearing. Now the little girl could not and would not be expected to have faith for the new dress until her mother promised it. So we cannot, nor are we expected to have faith for healing or salvation or any other blessing until the faith comes by hearing the word or the promise of what God wants to do. How could anyone find justification by faith until it was preached unto him? And how could anyone find healing by faith until it was preached to him? 
It is the scriptures which are able to make men wise unto salvation. We must see that the creator and redeemer of the body is also its physician before we have reason to expect healing. Now since he heals us by sending his word, what can be more his word than his redemptive and covenant names, which were given, all seven of them, for the specific purpose of revealing to every man in Adam's race his redemptive attitude toward them. When Christ commands us to preach the gospel to every creature, he means that we shall tell the good news of redemption. His seven redemptive names reveal what our redemption includes. He has many other names, but only seven redemptive names. And these seven names are never used in the scripture except in his dealings with man. Not six, not eight, but seven, the perfect number. Because he's a perfect savior. His redemption covering the whole scope of human need. The blessings revealed by each of these names are all in the atonement. For instance, Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is present, made nigh by the blood of his cross. Jehovah Shalom is translated the Lord is our peace. This is in the atonement because the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Jehovah Rea is translated the Lord is my shepherd. He became our shepherd by giving his life for the sheep. So you see, this privilege is in the atonement. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide an offering, Christ himself being the offering provided on Calvary. He became Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner or victor, by spoiling principalities and powers on the cross. He bore our sins and became Jehovah Tzitkenu, the Lord our righteousness, opening the way for every sinner to receive the gift of righteousness. Jehovah Rapha is translated, I am the Lord that healeth thee, or I am the Lord thy physician. This also is in the atonement, for himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This completes the list of seven names which were given for the purpose of revealing God's relationship toward us, all under each of these seven titles. These seven names all belong abidingly to Christ. It is under each of these seven titles that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus says to all who come to him for any of these seven blessings, He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. This is the good news that God once preached to every creature, so that every creature may have the privilege of enjoying the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I say again that nothing is more God's word settled in heaven than his redemptive name Jehovah Rapha. No one has a right to change God's I am Jehovah Rapha to I was because the word of the Lord endureth forever. Since Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, is one of Christ's redemptive names, has not every man a redemption right to obtain peace from him? Has not every man a redemptive right to obtain victory from Jehovah Nissi? Has not every man a redemptive right to obtain the gift of righteousness from Jehovah Tzidkenu? If so, why has not every man a redemptive right to obtain healing from Jehovah Rapha? This name Jehovah Rapha was so accepted and believed by those to whom it was first sent that there was not one feeble person among all their tribes. Whenever this state of health was interfered with by their transgressions, as soon as they repented, typical atonements were made and God was still Jehovah Rapha, the healer, 
not to some, but to all. God wants this name, as well as all others, to be sent to every creature, with the promise, they shall recover, for the Lord shall raise them up. The brazen serpent was a type of Christ. God ratified this word to the dying Israelites by sending them the added word, every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it, the type of Calvary, shall live. If bodily healing is not provided in the atonement, why were these dying Israelites required to look at the type of the atonement for bodily healing? As their curse was removed by the lifting up of the type of Christ, so ours is removed by the lifting up of Christ the antitype. Since the Spirit is given to us to make Christ real, why should we not look to Christ himself with as much expectation as they did to the type? It will be well to note that they could not look at the brass snake and their symptoms at the same time. Abraham's faith waxed strong while he looked unto the promise of God. Some people reverse this, and their faith waxes weak while they look at their symptoms, forgetting the promise. Since God healed by sending his word, which is the only basis for our faith, we will miss healing if we allow our symptoms to hinder us from expecting what his word promises. The second step is to be sure that you're right with God, because our redemptive blessings are conditional. After we hear the gospel and know what it offers, Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. Only those who are right with God can follow these instructions. When seeking healing for our bodies, there should be no compromise with the adversary of our souls. It is he who is the author of our diseases. Jesus has not promised to destroy the works of the devil in our bodies while we're clinging to the work of the devil in our souls. It is hard to exercise faith for the removal of one part of the devil's work while we allow a worse part to remain. Until a man squarely faces and settles the question of obedience to God, he is not on believing ground. James says, confess your faults one to another, that ye may be healed. It is God's will that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It is when our hearts do not condemn us that we have confidence toward God. The command for the sick to send for the elders was first written to Christians who had been filled with the Spirit. There's something wrong when a man desires the blessing but not the blesser, his mercy but not himself. It is not proper to seek his mercy while rejecting his will. Do not ask for a little blessing while rejecting the big one. It is impossible to receive and reject divine blessings at the same time. God is waiting to say to Satan and disease what he said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. Our first consideration in all things, even in asking for the restoration of bodily health, should be the glory of God. Strength for service to God is the only proper basis to approach when seeking healing at his hand. The anointing with oil for healing is itself a symbol and a sign of consecration. We must desire our health for God's glory. What then does the anointing mean? Turn to Leviticus chapter 8 verses 10 to 12 and you get God's answer to the question. And Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them 
That is, he set them apart for God. The anointing with oil in the name of the Lord was an act of dedication and consecration, implying on the part of one anointed a full surrender to God of his hands to work for him and for him alone, of his feet to walk for him and him alone, his eyes to see, his lips to speak, his ears to hear for him and him alone, and his whole body to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. 3 John, verse 2. The Holy Spirit tells us to submit ourselves to God before he says, resist the devil. No one can successfully resist the devil until he submits himself to God. When the devil is thus resisted, he will not merely walk away, he will literally run or flee from you. James chapter 4, verse 7. The curse, including the different diseases cataloged in Deuteronomy in the 28th chapter, came upon the people because their obedience and their service was not with gladness and joyfulness of heart. The condition of heart that was responsible for the coming of those diseases mentioned in that chapter was not acceptable to God. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, It is those who will delight themselves in the Lord to whom he gives the desires of their heart. God has not lowered the standard for this day of grace. It is only to the obedient, those who will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and do that which is right in his sight, that it is said, the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. Take a look at Deuteronomy 7, verse 15, also Exodus 15, verse 26. Faith, you see, is the union of our hearts and wills with God's will and purpose. And where this unity is lacking, results are impossible. This is a very important spiritual law to which in our times we have been woefully blind. God says of fearing the Lord and departing from evil, it shall itself be health, the Hebrew means medicine, to thy navel and marrow, the Hebrew here means moistening, to thy bones. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 and 8. Faith always implies obedience. Paul wrote to the Ephesians to obey the first commandment, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth, Ephesians 6.3. Naaman's surrender and obedience to the word of God was complete before he was healed. It is to those who walk uprightly that it is said, no good thing will he withhold, Psalm 84, verse 11. Therefore, before seeking anything from God, we should yield ourselves to the first and great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. God says in Psalm 91 verse 4, Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Deuteronomy 7 9 says, He keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Therefore, like the leper, let us come and worship him when asking for healing. Length of days is in her, that is, wisdom's right hand, and her left hand, riches and honor, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16. Marry wisdom, and you get her possessions. Wisdom is here represented as a bountiful queen, holding forth blessings with both hands to all who will become subject to her government. It is for them whose heart is perfect toward him, 
that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. See 2 Chronicles 16, verse 30. Proverbs 14, verse 30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. An unsound heart is worse than an unsound stomach. A diseased soul is worse than a diseased body. A disordered will is worse than a disordered liver. Paul said, the body for the Lord, before he said, the Lord for the body. The Bible teaches that the body is bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6.20 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12 verse 1 Therefore, present your body to him if you want to be healed. It is not until after it becomes his property that he promises to repair it. Bryant said, The sure way for the sick is first the cross for cleansing, then to the upper room for the gift of the Spirit, then to the mount appointed for a life commission, and lastly, to the great physician for strength for service. If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Romans 8 verse 11. In Christ, the true vine, there is all the life for our souls and bodies that we need. But how are we to possess and enjoy this except by our union with the vine? It is not apart from him, but in him that ye are complete, according Colossians 2 verse 10. Substitution without union is not sufficient for our possession and enjoyment of the life of the vine. If you need a miracle, get in tune with the miracle worker. We enjoy the life of the vine by our perfect union with the vine. Asking for healing while refusing to be led by the Spirit is like asking a carpenter to repair the house while refusing to let him in the house. Matthew 14 verse 36 says, As many as touched him were made perfectly whole. You cannot touch him with a reservation. Like the woman who pressed through the throng and touched him, you must elbow your way and press beyond selfishness, disobedience, unconfessed sins, lukewarmness, public opinion, traditions of men and articles written against divine healing. Sometimes you must press beyond your own pastor, who may be unenlightened in this particular part of the gospel. Press beyond doubts, double-mindedness, symptoms, feelings, and the lying serpent. The Holy Spirit, who is sent to execute for us the blessings of redemption, is our paraclete or helper and is ready to help us press through and beyond all of these obstacles to the place where we can touch him for our needs. God is waiting to pour out the Holy Spirit in fullness upon us. He comes as Christ's executive to execute for us all the blessings provided by Calvary and pledged to us in his seven redemptive and covenant names. It is still true that as many as touch him are made whole. How do we touch him? By believing his promise. This is an infallible way of touching Christ for anything he has promised. We touch him by asking and believing that he hears our prayers when we pray. When the woman touched him, it was her faith that made her whole, not a mere physical touch. The flesh profiteth nothing, 
the Spirit giveth life. Millions of sinners have in this way touched him for the yet greater miracle of the new birth. As the sick touched him and were made whole when Christ walked upon the earth, so now it is the privilege of all to actually touch him. The touch now unites us to Christ in a closer union than it did then. Not mere contact, but union, as real as the branch and the vine. All that is in the vine, including both spiritual and physical life, belongs to us, the branches. The touch by faith can now bring us under the full control of the Holy Spirit, who is the miracle worker, as it could not do during Christ's earthly ministry, for the Spirit was not yet given. Jesus is not less a Savior and healer since being glorified. He's greater. The privilege of touching him now is much greater than it was when he was here in person because more can now be received by the touch. From God's right hand, he has more to give. He said, it is expedient or profitable for you that I go away. Since the Spirit comes to reveal Christ as he could not be revealed before he went away to send the Spirit, why cannot we approach him for healing with at least as much faith as those who thronged him in that day? These concepts show the great importance of being right with God before asking for healing. The blessing of being right with God is a thousand times more desirable and enjoyable than the healing itself. I have seen the afflicted in body radiantly happy, but sinners in perfect health have been so unhappy as to commit suicide. We will now endeavor to make plain the third step in how to appropriate healing. Getting things from God is like playing checkers. After one person moves, he has nothing to do until the other player moves. Each man moves in his own turn. So when God has provided healing or any other blessing and sent us his word, it is our move before he will move again. Our move is to expect what he promises when we pray, which will cause us to act our faith before we see the healing. The healing comes in the next move, which is God's move. God never moves out of his turn, but he always moves when it is his turn. When Noah was warned of God of things not seen as yet, his move was to believe that the flood was coming and act his faith by building the ship on dry land. So when God says to the sick, the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up, you, like Noah, are informed of God, of things not seen as yet. Your move is the same as Noah's, which is to believe and act accordingly. Fallen nature is governed by what it sees, by its senses, but faith is governed by the pure word of God. It is nothing less than expecting God to do what he promises, treating him like an honest being. By expectation, I do not mean hope. One writer has well said, we hope for what may be possible, but we expect what must be possible. With that expectancy that shuts out doubt or fear or failure and shows unshakable confidence. Faith never waits to see before it believes because it cometh by hearing about things not seen as yet and is the evidence of things not seen. All that a man of faith needs is to know that God has spoken. This imparts perfect certainty to the soul. Thus saith the Lord, settles everything. It is written, is all that faith needs. Faith always blows the ram's horn before, not after, the walls are down. 
Faith never judges according to the sight of the eyes, because it is the evidence of things not seen but promised. Faith rests on far more solid ground than the evidence of the senses, and that is the word of God which abideth forever. Our senses may deceive us, but God's word never. When the little girl is promised a new dress next Saturday, faith is the actual expectation which she has and manifests between now and Saturday. When Saturday comes and she sees the new dress, faith for the new dress stops. Now real faith always has corresponding actions. The little girl, because of her faith, claps her hands and says, goody, goody, I'm going to have a new dress next Saturday, and runs to tell her playmates that she has the answer to her request. God cannot lie. Jesus at the grave of Lazarus looked up and said, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast heard me, though Lazarus was still dead. The little girl is not afraid to testify in advance that she is to have a new dress. When her playmates say, how do you know you are? She confidently replies, why, Mama promised it. Now you have a better reason for expecting healing than the little girl has, for expecting a new dress, because the mother may die before Saturday, but God cannot. The mother can lie, but God cannot. The house may burn down with the mother's money. Every case of faith in history has a well-grounded assurance produced by the promise of God alone and acted on it before there was anything visible to encourage the assurance, as with the little girl between now and Saturday. Faith looks not at the things that are seen. There was no flood in sight when Noah built his ark. Stone walls had never before fallen down at the blowing of the ram's horn and shouting. They were merely expecting what God promised. And when they acted their faith by blowing the ram's horn while the walls were still up, this was their move. Then, of course, God moved in his turn, and down came the walls. The whole 11th chapter of Hebrews is written to show how each one who had faith acted between now and Saturday. God is so well pleased with the actings of faith that he has listed in detail many cases as recorded in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. By faith, Noah acted so-and-so. By faith, Jacob acted so-and-so. By faith, Joseph acted, and so on. By faith, Moses acted, and so on. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Abraham acted so-and-so. And when everything seemed contrary to what God had promised, it was by considering the promise of God, not her barrenness, that Sarah received strength to become a mother when she was past age. These all acted with nothing but the word of God as their reason for expecting the thing he had promised. It's the same with every case of faith in history. Jonah's symptoms were very real when he was inside the fish, and he did not deny them, but he called them lying vanities. In other words, any symptoms that make us doubt the fact that God is plenteous in mercy to all that call upon him should be regarded as lying vanities. Jonah said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Instead of listening to Satan and watching our symptoms, we must be workers together with God who heals by sending his word and keeping it. We must cooperate with him by being occupied not with what the devil says, but with the word he sends for our healing. Even when we do act our faith, symptoms do not always disappear instantly. After Hezekiah was healed, it was three days before he was strong enough to go up to the house of the Lord. 
In John 4, verses 50 to 52, the nobleman believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. And when he met his servants, he inquired of them the hour when his dying son began to amend. The Bible differentiates between the gifts of healing and the gifts of miracles. Christ could do no miracle in Nazareth because of their unbelief, but he healed a few sick ones. If everyone were to be made perfectly whole instantly, there would be no place for the gifts of healing. It would all be miracles. Many people miss healing by trying to confine God to performing a miracle. Christ's promise is that they shall recover, but he does not say instantly. The symptoms of life in a tree remain for a time even after the tree is cut down. Faith means we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Hebrews 11, verse 1, Moffat's translation. Convinced, of course, because God, who cannot lie, has spoken. How all-sufficient is this reason for believing? Faith is, therefore, most rational. It is not, as many unthinking persons suppose, believing without evidence, but believing because of the very highest possible evidence, God's Word, which is settled in heaven. The Apostle James says, I will show you by my action what faith is. Again, Moffat's translation. Faith, therefore, is being so convinced of the absolute truth of the declarations of God which are recorded in the Bible that we act on them. Faith is both rational and safe. What can be more rational and what can be more safe and certain? Faith is to receive the written promise of God as his direct message to us. His promise means the same as if he appeared and said to us, I've heard your prayer. The word of God has made life to our bodies in exactly the same way that it has made life to our souls, which is by believing his promise. Some have prayed for healing for as long as 40 years without receiving it, and then, as soon as they were told how to appropriate, the healing has come sometimes in a moment. We do not have to pray for 40 years or for one week for the blessing that Christ is eager to bestow. His compassionate heart yearns to heal us more than we have the capacity to desire it. We keep him waiting until we have the faith that cometh by hearing and act that faith. God will not cheat and move out of his turn. After seeing that Jesus bore our diseases as well as our sins on the cross, and therefore that we need not bear them, our next step is to appropriate by faith, which is the only scriptural way. The truth of the matter is, God gave us this part of our inheritance nearly 2,000 years ago, and he is the waiting one. He is waiting for us to appropriate the blessing by faith. 2,000 years ago, God put away sin. 2,000 years ago, God laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. 2,000 years ago, he took on himself our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. God is the waiting party, waiting for us to be shown how to appropriate the blessing he has already given. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack or slow concerning his promises, but he is long-suffering to usward. Or, as Weymouth translates, The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promises, but he bears patiently with you. In other words, he's not slow concerning his promises, but we are slow, and he is patient with us. Most of us could have been saved five years earlier than we were. God was not making us wait, but we were making him wait. 
It's the same way with our healing. Now in Mark 11:24, Jesus tells us exactly how to appropriate any of the blessings purchased for us by his death. Having promised all that we need, he says, what things soever you desire when you pray, notice not after you pray 20 years, but not after you get well, but while you are sick, when ye pray, believe, ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The condition of receiving what we ask God for is to believe that he answers our prayers when we pray, that we shall recover according to his promise. In other words, when you pray for healing, Christ authorizes you to consider your prayer answered, as when he stood at the grave of Lazarus and said, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast heard me, before he saw Lazarus come forth from the grave. When we ask for healing, Christ bids us to say with faith, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast heard me, before we have seen the answer to our prayer. God's word alone is our reason for believing that our prayer is answered, before we see or feel. This is faith. Jesus declared, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John says, The word is God. To receive the written words of Christ as the direct message to us is faith. This is the way the word of God becomes life to us, both in our healing and in our salvation. For instance, the act of believing and receiving Christ according to John 1.12 is synonymous with the act of God which gives us, by his power, the new birth. By this same process also is divine healing imparted to our bodies. Another has said that with the woman who touched his garment, faith, fact, feeling is the order of healing that God never departs from. If we depart from this order, neither faith or fact nor feeling will be as we desire because they will not be as God desires. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 says, It is the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. When his word convinces us that our prayer is answered, before we have yet seen the answer, the word begins to effectually work in us. God's word never fails to work in those who accept it as such, because they are not entertaining doubts as to its being fulfilled in their own experiences. God has given all his blessings to faith, and has none left to bestow upon unbelief. When people say to me, I do not know that it is God's will to heal me. I ask them, is it God's will to keep his promise? If we are right with God, we should not consider ourselves any more than we would when men make promises to us. Not have I faith enough, but is he honest? It's not a question of how we feel, but what are the facts? Should the little girl get sick the next day and feel badly, it has nothing to do with her mother buying her a new dress on Saturday. The scriptures say, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Is this true or is it not? Does God answer prayer? If you will steadfastly believe that you receive the answer to your prayer and act your faith, every one of you will be healed, though not always instantly. God always moves after our move. This is the acting out of a full assurance produced alone by his promise before we see the answer to our prayer. Since healing is by faith and faith without works is dead, it is when we begin to act our faith that God begins to heal. Our faith makes God act. Our work of faith sets God to working. 
No, we cannot all act in the same way. As the ten lepers went, they were healed. Jonah, when inside the fish, could not go anywhere. But he did act his faith by saying, while still in the fish, I will sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. And so acting our faith by praising and thanking God in advance has been throughout history his appointed way for our appropriation of all his blessings. Hebrews 13.15 teaches us that our thank offering, our sacrifice of praise, is to be offered in advance for the blessing God has promised. Psalms 50, verse 14 and 15 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Here, as elsewhere, we are required to offer thanksgiving while we are still in trouble, as Jonah did. Perhaps this was the very promise he claimed. Let the needy praise thy name, that is, praise God in advance while you're still in need. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving does not mean to get healed and then go from his presence thanking him. We should come to him with thanksgiving for healing before being healed. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We should also go away with thanksgiving, but this is not faith. Faith is what we have done before we are healed. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. Without praise, we are up against a solid wall with no gate. But when we begin praising and appropriating, we hang our own gate and walk through. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God, not after, but before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was when they lifted up their voice and praised the Lord that the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. They believed his words, not their symptoms, not the father of lies, and sang his praises. Make Satan listen to your praises. Instead of your listening to the Father of lies, make him listen to your praising God for his promise. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The sick man has breath. In other words, while you're still sick, praise him because you're going to recover according to his promise. Let not your heart be troubled. In nothing be anxious or distracted, but with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Every sick Christian, while sick, has a thousand times more to be happy over than the most cheerful sinner in perfect health. Praise God, because faith without works is dead. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Since everything that hath breath is commanded to praise the Lord, the only scriptural excuse for not praising Him is to be out of breath. <laughs> By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Praise him, because it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Praise him, because to withhold praise will show either unbelief or ingratitude. Praise him because praise is comely for the upright. Praise him because God inhabits the praises of his people. Paul and Silas sang praises at midnight with their backs bleeding and their feet in the stocks and God sang bass with an earthquake which set them free. Real faith rejoices in the promises of God as if it saw the deliverance and was enjoying it. 
with three great armies against Jehoshaphat, which, humanly speaking, would mean annihilation, they praised the Lord with a loud voice on high. The only evidence that their prayer was answered was the naked word of God, and that only through human lips. The next day, when they went out to the battle and began to sing the praise, the Lord, in his turn, moved and set ambushments against the enemy, and the victory was won, 2 Chronicles 20, verses 18 to 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. For holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. As in Eden, the enemy succeeded in making void God's testimony as to the results of eating the forbidden fruit. So now he seeks to make void God's testimony as to the results of believing the gospel. After God said, In the day thou eatest, thereof thou shalt surely die. The serpent said, Thou shalt not surely die. Now when God's word plainly says, They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, the same serpent seeks to persuade them that they shall not recover. Is it rational to believe the father of lies in preference to the Son of God, who is incarnate truth? When coming to God for salvation or healing, it is essential for each one to decide whether he shall allow the hiss of the serpent to rise above the voice of God. Thomas Akempis said, Blessed are the ears that hear the pulses of the divine whisper, and give no heed to the many whisperings of the world. When after you have been anointed for healing, Satan tells you that you will not recover. Like Jesus, say to him, it is written, they shall recover. The Lord shall raise him up. James 5, verse 14. Also in the same passage, in the name of the Lord means the same as if the Lord himself anointed you. Expect him to honor his own ordinance and his own promise. Why listen to the devil? All the devil heard from the lips of Christ when tempting him was, It is written. It is written. It is written. Then the devil leaveth him. But all we hear from some people is, The devil says, the devil says, as though God's words were of less consequence than those of the devil. This was Christ's way, and it is the most successful way of resisting the devil. Let us not try another way. Neither give place to the devil, Ephesians 4.27. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you, James 4, 7. There's just one way of resisting the devil, and that is by steadfastly believing and acting upon God's word. Whenever we are affected by another voice more than the voice of God, we have forsaken the Lord's way for our healing. What reason have you for doubting? You have no more reason for doubting than the sinner has when he repents and asks forgiveness for his sins. You have exactly the same reason for expecting to be healed that you had for expecting to be saved. You have his word for it. And if you cannot accept that to the point of acting upon it, then your faith is still very far from what it should be. The Lord's compassion is our greatest basis for faith. Since Christ has redeemed us from sickness, surely his love and faithfulness may be trusted. The cross is like a sure foundation and a perfect reason for the exercise of faith. Let us put our sickness away by faith, as we would put away sin. The consecrated Christian will not consciously tolerate sin for a moment, and yet how tolerant some are towards sickness. They'll even pet and indulge their aches and pains, instead of resisting them as the works of the devil. 
The Lord Jesus has declared concerning the sin, sorrow, and physical misery of Adam's race, it is finished, and has offered unto each one of us the gift of the Holy Spirit to enable us to realize and fully enjoy the great salvation he purchased for us. To believe without doubt that Christ's words, it is finished, is a literal statement of an unchangeable fact, invariably brings deliverance. The serpent is still denying this great saying of Christ to our great loss, just as he caused Eve to forget and disregard words which God had plainly spoken to her. It is by realizing that our redemption from sickness was actually accomplished in the body of our crucified Lord, and by wholeheartedly believing and receiving what God declares in his written word about this matter, that the Holy Spirit gives us the personal experience of Christ, our physician. Following these instructions has brought soundness upon thousands who had before been taught that the age of miracles was past and that God wanted people to remain sick for his glory. Those born blind are now seeing. Deaf and dumb mutes from birth are now hearing and speaking. Cripples from birth are now perfectly whole. Epileptics for years are now free and rejoicing. Many who were dying with cancers are now well and praying the prayer of faith for the healing of others. And God is no respecter of persons. God's new covenant provides that each shall be made perfect in every good work to do his will. This cannot be while we are sick. This shows his willingness to make us well, in fact, his eagerness. He cannot keep his covenant with us without taking away our sicknesses and fulfilling the number of our days according to his promise. Since it is by his stripes we are healed, let us not forget what our healing cost. With gratitude and love and consecrated service to God, let us stand on his promise and blow the ram's horn of faith and thanksgiving until the walls of our affliction fall down flat. Faith does not wait for the walls to fall down. Faith shouts them down. In Lesson 6, we'll be talking about this subject, Appropriating Faith. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, tells us exactly how God works miracles. He, and in this particular instance, he's speaking about God himself, that ministereth to you the Spirit. Here he's speaking about the Spirit, who is the miracle worker, and worketh miracles among you. Doeth ye it by the works of the law, or by the hearing, or the message of faith? Even as Abraham believed God. Galatians 3, verse 5. Moffat translates this passage, When he supplies you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, is it because you do what the law commands, or because you believe the gospel message? It is as with Abraham, he had faith. In this passage, God tells us that he works miracles upon our bodies in exactly the same way as upon our souls, and that is, by having us hear and believe the gospel message. In fact, God's way of doing everything is by making promises and then by fulfilling them wherever they produce faith. He says it is with us as with Abraham. How was it with Abraham? Note carefully. He simply believed the word of God. He had faith that God would do exactly as he promised. He was fully persuaded by the word of God alone. He held fast the beginning of his confidence when his faith was tested. 
He was wholly occupied with the word of God in this matter. He refused to cast away his confidence when God, by telling him to offer Isaac, was apparently removing the visible encouragement of his faith. He considered not his own body or the fact that he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb as any barrier or any reason for doubting that Isaac would be born. Romans chapter 4 verse 19. These things, which according to nature, made the birth of Isaac impossible, were not considered by Abraham as the slightest reason for doubting. He knew his age. He recognized the barrenness of Sarah. He weighed the difficulties, but ignoring the impossible, he believed God. Under utterly hopeless circumstances, by looking unto the promise of God, he waxed strong in faith, being fully persuaded or absolutely certain that God would fulfill his promise. Note well, it was by looking unto the promises of God that Abraham waxed strong in faith. Everyone that looketh upon it, that is God's remedy and God's promise, was likewise the condition God required for the healing of the dying Israelites in Numbers 21, verse 8. When coming to God for healing, be sure that this is your attitude because there is no healing promised except on this condition. We often base faith in our improvement. We are affected by our symptoms or by what we see or feel instead of by the word of God alone. To that extent, ours is not real faith. To be concerned with what we see or feel is to exactly reverse the condition God lays down for us to follow. Everyone that looketh at it shall live simply means that everyone who, like Abraham, so occupies himself with God's promise that he's no longer affected by symptoms shall recover. It means the word of God, not what we see or feel, shall be the basis of our faith. Our looking unto the promise of God is a good reason for looking to God for mercy. There's no time to stop looking until God withdraws his word. Note, it was by continuing to look unto the promise of God that Abraham experienced the miracle. To be occupied with symptoms and be influenced by them instead of God's word is to question the veracity of God. Instead of making God a liar, Jonah from within the fish gave the name lying vanities to the symptoms and circumstances which seemed to stand in the way of his experiencing God's mercy. Realizing that it was symptoms and not God that was lying to him, he said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. God never refuses mercy, but many forsake it by observing their symptoms, which are real, but which are lying vanities when they say to us that God is not plenteous in mercy to all that call upon him. Abraham's faith was not based on anything he saw, and you must see to it that yours is not. All that Abraham could see was contrary to what he was expecting. After Isaac was born, Abraham had a prop for his faith that through Isaac all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. With his eyes upon Isaac, the channel through which God was to fulfill the rest of his promise, it was easy to believe. So God tested his faith, telling him by offering Isaac to destroy the channel. This did not daunt Abraham. Real faith thrives on a test. Since he still had God's word for it, he was ready to remove every visible encouragement to his expectation and yet continue 
to be fully persuaded. God had to halt him or he would have offered Isaac. This test was God's way of perfecting his faith, not of destroying it. If after coming to God for healing, he finds you more encouraged by your improvement than by his word, he may find it necessary to test your faith in order to teach you the glorious lesson of believing his word when every sense contradicts it. Faith has to do only with the word of God. In Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36, God says to all those whose faith is based on his word, cast not therefore away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For we are made partakers, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. Directly contrary to this, after being anointed and prayed for, instead of rejoicing in the promise of God, some say in disappointment, I thought I was going to be healed. They never catch the idea of what faith is. Their idea is to get well first and then to believe that God has heard their prayer. If God's word is the sole reason for their expectation, they will hold fast the beginning of their confidence. It's never proper or reasonable cast away your confidence as long as you have the word of God as its basis. It is promised that we shall be partakers only on the condition that we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast. During the interim between God's promise and its fulfillment, instead of watching symptoms and casting away his confidence because he had nothing visible to encourage him, Abraham did exactly the reverse. By looking unto the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief but waxed strong in faith, giving glory to God. After Jonah, from within the fish, prayed for mercy, he did not cast away his confidence because there was no visible proof that his prayer was heard. He held fast his confidence and added to it, in advance, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. After marching around the walls of Jericho, Joshua and the children of Israel did not cast away their confidence because the walls of the city were still up. Their faith was based on God's word. I have delivered Jericho into thy hands. If none of these cast away their confidence, why should you? Your state of mind should be the same as Noah's when he was building a ship on dry land and putting pitch into the cracks to keep the water out. In his mind, the fact of a coming flood was fully settled, and the word of God was the sole reason for this state of mind. Your state of mind should be the same as Abraham's. With him, the matter of Isaac being born was fully settled, even though all the symptoms were to the contrary. God's word to you concerning your healing is just as clear and explicit as it was to Abraham. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus tells us exactly the conditions he requires for our appropriation of any of the blessings he has promised. He says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. That is, ye shall have them after you believe he has heard your prayer. As Jesus said, I thank thee that thou hast heard me while Lazarus was still dead. We should be able to say, I thank thee that thou hast heard me while we are still sick. Ye shall have them is your answer from Jesus and is also your proof that your prayer has been heard. To faith, the word of God is the voice of God. He has not promised us that our healing shall begin until after we believe that he has heard our prayer. 
If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If this is true, then believe your prayer has been heard when you really pray. You must be able to say, we know we have the petition we desire of him. Not because we see the answer, but because God is faithful, who also will do it. It is never proper to base faith on our improvement after prayer. Some say with great delight, Oh, I am so much better since I was prayed for. Now I know I will get well. This means that in the place of God's promise, they have some other reason for expecting to get well. There is no reason for faith as good as the word of God. Suppose as soon as I pray for a man's healing, he could know he was just 50% improved. This improvement in his condition is not near as good a reason for knowing he will entirely recover as is the promise of God, even though after prayer he should become 50% worse. Suppose you promise your child a certain thing, and the next day you find that she is expecting exactly what you promised, not because you promised it. She has some other reason for expecting it. This would grieve you, for it would prove that she did not trust your word. It honors God to believe him, even while every sense contradicts him. He promises to honor those who honor him. Welcome, everybody, to today's reading. We're going to be uh, reading the 365 Bible. And we're going to start us off with something interesting. It's called An Ocean of Love from Psalms 3119. A very fast and quick reading. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the groaning of the Spirit, Lord God. <laughs> the Holy Spirit wants to groan here. <laughs> we thank you, God, that you give us all, all beautiful things to enjoy, Lord. We just thank you for this peaceable time we have this morning, that we're able and capable of getting into your Word, or your Word getting into us, Lord. We thank you that we're infused with your love and your scriptures. And you, we give you all the praise and the glory that you give us all things to enjoy. Thank you for this time with your word. In Jesus' name, thank you for the Holy Spirit has come. In mighty, mighty power. Amen. Amen. In Psalm 3119, it says, How great is the goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Again, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Which is a good translation that we can look this up. It's There's a lot more to this. In uh, a trans It says like, the Lord will bless us in front of a watching world with inheritances from way from beginning of the of time. In other words, not only is God's love for us unlimited, his desire to express that love by pouring out his goodness upon us is also unlimited. Nothing delights him more than the opportunity to give blessings to his obedient children. As Psalm 35 says, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants from the Amplified Bible. Again, I'm reading you an article from Limitless Love, the book by Gloria and Kenny Copeland. They go on to say that F.F. F. Bosworth, in his great book, 
Christ the healer says, God is infinitely good and exists forever in a state of entire consecration to pour forth blessings upon his creatures whenever they make it possible, which all may do. Suppose the vast Pacific Ocean were elevated high above us, then conceive of its pressure into every crevice to find an outlet through which it might pour its ocean tides over all the earth. And you have a picture of God's benevolent attitude towards us. Just imagine that, a notion of God's goodness stored up just waiting to be poured out in our lives. And the way I call it, it just imagine trying to stay away from the sun. That's a blessing. The air, that's it's a blessing. God's love is all around us. That's not just an exciting thought. That's what the Bible teaches. The Hebrew translation of Psalms 31, 19 says, God has treasured up goodness for us. That concept is confined in Exodus thirty three eighteen, where Moses asked God to show him glory. In the Hebrew Bible, the comments of the sages give us an insight in what actually happened there. It says that when God said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, it actually means the time has come to show you as much of the divine goodness as you can comprehend. Then it says God showed Moses all the treasures of reward stored up for the righteous. That's right. According to the Jewish sages, Moses saw a large unlabeled storehouse as far as the eye can see and the Lord told him it was goodness stored up for those who would receive from his loving hand yes God in his great love has good things stored up prepared and ready for us he has plenty laid up to make every one of us wealthy beyond our highest dreams free in every area of life healed whole completely with our families intact. It doesn't matter what kind of need you might have in your life. It's no challenge for God to fill it. He has much, much more than enough already laid up in store for you. And he desires to give it to you simply because he loves you. If that thought staggers your mind, don't worry about it. That's just the way God is. His love is so good. It's staggering. We will literally spend eternity receiving all he has to give. In Jesus' name. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. God never refuses mercy, but many forsake it by observing their symptoms, which are real, but which are lying vanities when they say to us that God is not plenteous in mercy to all that call upon him. Okay. Abraham's faith was not based on anything he saw. Okay. And you must see to it that yours is not. Stop. I stopped this a little while ago because I was going to sneeze a minute ago. But before we turn anything back on, he said he continued to look at the promises, not the symptoms or how he felt that that mattered. So it... For me, it's if you rewind it a little bit, it is kind of says, like, they're not looking at their symptoms; they're looking at the promise of God, right? Right? What do the promise say? I'll heal. I'll heal all your diseases, right? Not some, not this one, that one. 
Um, so it's like when you start looking at your symptoms and focusing on, oh, I'm in pain all day. Well, you know, you, you kind of not, you have to stay on the promise and the word of God first and foremost, which you do. No matter what we see, Lord. Anything else, Lord? You rewind it, babe, so you can listen to what I just said. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So if you know when people say my this, my that, my this, you're hanging on to it. It's not yours. Get rid of it. Amen. My gold, my silver. My 25 tons of gold. Don't possess it. My 30 bars of gold. It just said that Abraham stayed focused on the promise. Beautiful, beautiful. Focus on the promise. And you can do that. That The word will never end. He'll never... It's, it's permanent. It's a promise. It's something you can rely on. Amen. And you have to have, you know... You have to have. You have to keep persistent. You have to keep pressing. God's in. mercy, realizing that it was symptoms and not God that was lying to him, See, he said, "They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy." They that forsake oh. observe lying. What's a lying vanity? Did you? Do you want to turn this back on? Huh? Do you want to turn it back on? I turned it off. Why? I turned it off when you fell asleep, and then but then um, I had to sneeze. I was gonna try to sneeze. Oh, and, you turned it off. Yeah. So, but go ahead and turn it back on. This right here. Yeah. When, when did you turn it back on? Like it, it's on now. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and the observed lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Yeah. A lying vanity is especially. Like you're saying, it's killing me. It's a lying vanity right. because it's not truth, and then you're you're hurting your own self because the cells are listening to you, or you're saying, um, like you said, my diabetes, yeah, my arthritis, yeah. You know, you're claiming it. You yeah. should say, uh, the I said I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. I'm healed. Uh, Sickness and disease is out of here. I am healed by those stripes of Jesus. Right. It doesn't matter what you see or feel. You can take the promise of a God and go to the bank with it. Now, one of the things that he said a little bit ago was Abraham had the right attitude. Right? His attitude was he believed, fully believed the promise. Now, that's that's something that we have to keep. That's what I'm saying is that Taking the healing scriptures, med making them yours, you know, meditate on them, speak them out, believe, you know, and, and when your faith starts to waver, that's the time to, to, to keep moving in that direction because the enemy will tell you, well, you're never going to get well. See, God doesn't answer you. See, God's not word isn't that, you know, you start getting these little oppositions in your mindset. So you have to be, you know, steadfast in the Holy Spirit, tapping into the Holy Spirit, and believing for your breakthrough. Amen? Amen. Amen. Beautiful. 
God never refuses mercy, but many forsake it by observing their symptoms, which are real, but which are lying vanities when they say to us that God is not plenteous in mercy to all that call upon him. Abraham's faith was not based on anything he saw, and you must see to it that yours is not. All that Abraham could see was contrary to what he was expecting. After Isaac was born, Abraham had a prop for his faith, that through Isaac all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. With his eyes upon Isaac, the channel through which God was to fulfill the rest of his promise, it was easy to believe. So God tested his faith, telling him by offering Isaac to destroy the channel. This did not daunt Abraham. Real faith thrives on a test. Since he still had God's word for it, he was ready to remove every visible encouragement to his expectation and yet continue to be fully persuaded. God had to halt him or he would have offered Isaac. This test was God's way of perfecting his faith, wow. not of destroying it. If after coming to God for healing, he finds you more encouraged by your improvement than by his word, he may find it necessary to test your faith in order to teach you the glorious lesson of believing his word when every sense contradicts him. Faith has to do only with the word of God. In Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36, God says to all those whose faith is based on his word, Cast not therefore away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For we are made partakers, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. Directly contrary to this, after being anointed and prayed for, instead of rejoicing in the promise of God, some say in disappointment, I thought I was going to be healed. They never catch the idea of what faith is. Their idea is to get well first and then to believe that God has heard their prayer. If God's word is the sole reason for their expectation, they will hold fast the beginning of their confidence. It's never proper or reasonable cast away your confidence as long as you have the word of God as its basis. It is promised that we shall be partakers only on the condition that we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast. During the interim between God's promise and its fulfillment, instead of watching symptoms and casting away his confidence because he had nothing visible to encourage him, Abraham did exactly the reverse. By looking unto the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief but waxed strong in faith, giving glory to God. After Jonah, from within the fish, prayed for mercy, he did not cast away his confidence because there was no visible proof that his prayer was heard. He held fast his confidence and added to it, in advance, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Wow. After marching Stop around there. the walls of Jericho, Joshua... What happened, Big? Explain it to me. Okay, so... He's saying that sometimes what happens is... You know, you get prayed for and you don't get your healing and then you you cast away your confidence in believing God and having faith for your healing according to the promise. But you, you cast it away when the scripture says do not cast away your confidence for, you know, in due time you'll be recompensed for it, right? Yeah. So 
he's just saying, you know, thanksgiving is key. You know, don't cast away your confidence and say, I'll never get healed or nothing's going to change or God won't hear me or what did I do wrong? You know, I didn't do enough of this or that. When you start doing that, I'm just interjecting. You know, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You start, it's a self-effort, right? Versus, no, you got to be steadfast in believing the word of God and the promise and hang on to that instead of casting away your confidence, you know, um, no matter what, no matter what, we got to, we got to, we got to practice that and stay steadfast in, in that. Um, I had another point, but. Um, yeah. Oh, the Thanksgiving part. You know, and if it doesn't happen today, you start thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe you. I believe your promise. I believe it here in the scripture. It says, by your stripes, I'm healed. You took every stripe upon your back that belongs to me. And I believe you. You know what I mean? You start, you take the word and you, and you start working it um i don't know how else to explain it except that you get your faith has to continue steadfast instead of casting out your confidence and and now you're becoming you're doubting you know that god's not going to do what he said he's going to do you know you throw what did they do at the wall? He's trying to talk about the walls of Jericho here where they did the praising around the wall seven times and they broke through, right? So anyway. Yeah. They broke through by praising God, by mm-hmm. praise and thanksgiving. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they had a word, right? Yeah. You know, that's when that's when you have to stay buckled down. Okay? You don't just go, well, you know, this is always going to be this way. It's our word sometimes that, that casts our confidence down, you know, uh, or your mind, you know, or, you know, you got, you can't let discouragement set in. You have to stay. What's the promise? What does God say? What did Jesus do? He healed Amen. everybody. Amen. He healed all diseases. Didn't matter what, which one it was, whether it had a name or not, you know, he, he, uh, By looking unto the promise of, he, he stood, he he performs he you know i guess the whole thing when i think about this is god is going to do what he said he's going to do and this is like the third confirmation that i'm getting um we read it in the word remember when we were reading in um luke luke 40 uh chapter 241 or whatever 141 i forget what it, where it was but um you know, Elizabeth told Mary, you are blessed because you believe what God said he's going to do. When when Jesus, you know, when the Holy Spirit, you know, when she was pregnant and it wasn't in the natural, it was a supernatural thing that happened to her. And when the angel visited her, you know, he explained exactly what was going to happen. And she said, let it be done according to what you say. So she received that easily. And then, anyway, so what I'm saying is that 
And this is another time that I'm hearing this, you know, that we have to believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. If his word says it, that's where you have to camp out until you get it. If it, it you know, the healing could come 30, 60, 100 fold, but it's going to come. It's going to come. So, okay, babe. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And we'll go ahead and stop there. Yeah. That was a pretty good, um, you know, we seem to be going over and over on this thing. So it stands strong. Reading the word of God, praising him and singing songs unto the Lord and staying in love in the word. And we be ready asking, Father, Father, please heal me. Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And yes, Lord, yes. I thank you that you always hear me and you heal me, Lord. Amen. Heal my, my soul, my mind, my body to be a better service to you and others, Lord. We have pray in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming on here today. Better. Now, I mean... God answers a prayer when we ask. It says yes. when you ask in faith. Ask believe the Father that, in yeah, faith. Believe that he's heard you, right? Remember, you were you were drilling this point the other day. Was it from this or from another teaching? It was from Bethesda's boss okay. word that we... So rather than... You know, the, the, I really like what he said about, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. And they went in singing, singing. Yeah. So if God has told you, it says, I'm going to take care of that old truck and get you a new truck. Or he says, um, basically, he says, I'm going to give you 30 bars of gold. A lot of us have heard God say, you know, incredible promises. So what do we do? What do I do? I, I praise God and walk around praising him and quoting scripture, singing songs unto the Lord. That's how I seen the hand of God move. And one of his, uh, in his promises, you know, that moves you in a position to receive. Or, or as a child, you know, Father, I know you always hear me. I thank you, Father, you know, for this special healing or this special vehicle, this special job. You know, you just continue to uh, continue. ask him like a child, like a little right. child. Mm. Ask the Father, you know. Help me. And to help help us to be better so we can serve others, Amen. you know, and be um be tuned up properly. <laughs> tuned up spiritually, mentally, financially, socially, energetically, to be tuned up. Be excited, you know, that God is doing things for us, that He's there with the power, the power to heal. We want to get healed. Anything else? I just kind of like the part where he says, well, you get prayed for and then you do feel better, but that's be now you're thinking, you're basing it on that versus him having hurt you. Mm. Like when you pray, because remember Mark chapter 11. You feel better. So he wants us to put our hope on asking him. Yeah. That he's no, hearing that us. That he's hearing you. Yes. That he's hearing us. That's what you were saying the other day. Oh, yeah. Which that, is what that. I've seen here today. Yes. You know, so 
you know, it's, it's, that's Mark, what, chapter 11, 22, right? Where it says, you know, uh, whenever you pray, believe that you receive what uh -huh. you prayed. So that's, and then there's another scripture, I think in the book, I don't know, I, I, I got to look that scripture up and find out more, but. Amen. Well, praise God. Do you hear that, folks? If we could believe that the Lord is hearing, hearing us, you. that's far better than having a pray directly and and we get healed and not thinking about how God has heard us. Yeah. So, but now I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. Shouldn't this be easier for us to do it? Because hasn't He heard us many times before and answered? Mm-hmm. So, why wouldn't he hear that? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't he, why wouldn't we believe that he's heard us for healing as well? Right? Amen. I mean, he's done it for us many, many times when we pray and stuff happens. M miracles actually happen. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is uh, taking communion and seeing Jesus on the cross. Yes. And seeing the, um, there was a time when Anna was working with uh, her brother that was in and out of the uh, the hospital. Mm -hmm. And they were taking communion before. Would you explain to us how, how long Yes. How this, long did you guys yeah. take communion? Yeah. And what, what did you do it for? Right. This happened in uh, October of 2020. And... Um, my brother underwent a bone marrow transplant and um, after the procedure happened, they, they wiped out his immune system. So after the procedure, there was many, many, much medication that needed to be taken to help him overcome, uh, you know, to make sure that his body um, was protected, um, to make sure that, you know, it, you know, there's some symptoms pop up, so this helps you with this. So. At one point, there was like 17 medications that I was managing for him because, you know, he was tired and had to sleep. And anyway, I was kind of, I was his designated caretaker. And so one of the things that we did con consistently was to pray before he took those medications. And we just uh, did communion. We pray, we did communion, and we declared the word of God. And this happened consistently for 90 days. Because um, in that 90-day period, it was crucial for him to, to get his numbers back up. You know, that his white blood cells were rising, that his red blood cells were coming in, that his platelets came back. They were monitoring all his, his clinical blood levels. So he had to go once a week to uh, what they called an infusion center at Stanford, and they would monitor where he was. And based on that visit, they would say, okay, start taking this, but don't take that. But anyway, at the end of the day, the communion and declaring the word of God that by the stripes of Jesus, he was healed already, even though he's taking 17 medications, come on, he... Uh, we we he we prayed. We took the wine. We, we thank God for cleansing our sins, and we just spoke the word of God for night. And you know what? I believe the pa the power of two praying and the agreement knocked it over the fence because 
there's so much power when you agree in prayer and we were consistent and and we when I prayed I just believed for you know I believed and he was so easy to receive he just sat down we did this every day and at that end of that 90 days um when they released him from from the infusion center um the the nurses that were tending to him they said he is farther along than most people are so they they dispatched him from the infusion center to be able to be taken care of at home and really it was a miracle because a a, a blood tra- a bone marrow transplant i don't know if i said blood transplant bone marrow transplant is one of the most difficult procedures trying to go in deep into the marrow and and fix the the the, the cells that are aren't producing the the red blood cells for him to and what about his son that they took what home? oh yeah yeah um his son was his donor and um they you know i think it was like a few days before they harvest what they call harvested the bone marrow from him so they had to take a needle or something and they went i don't know if it was in the hip or in the back of his in the back i'm, I'm not really sure where it was they did it but it must have been over 50 times that they had to go in there and get what they needed for my brother. But he was a perfect match for, for him. And his, 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 uh, he wasn't, you could even have rejection where they reject the, the donor's uh, bone marrow or whatever, but that didn't happen. My, my nephews were, were very strong. And they would, one of the tests they do is they monitor for how well the donor's uh, blood cells are doing as opposed to my brothers they want a stronger level of 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 um of the donors uh taking over the you know the immune system or the the blood cells and all that so uh it, you know really it was it was god's miracle for him to to be healed um and it was it was it was a long road but god God was with him every step of the way. It was like even more miracles happened. Um, it you know costed a couple of million dollars to do that, and he didn't even have to pay a a cent to get it done. You know because his insurance um, contracted with Stanford to do this, and then they whatever the rates were, you know he got them. But he, anyway, it was a miracle. He didn't have to pay for any of it. And God just, just was has been blessing him ever since. Because my brother, he believes, you know, he 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 believes that um, he's he just he's very easygoing, um, very easy to get along with. He loves sports, and and he goes to church, and he and he's a by faith person. You know, he really. So what I saw when I came, I saw Anna taking communion. You know, consecutively, and and was fired up at, at watching Jesus on the cross. So I had a problem with my feet, oh, yeah. with my toe. Uh-huh. My toe had been hurting for about a month, and I couldn't seem to get get it. It seemed like there was a bone growing crooked or something. And uh, I went over there and I told her, and she got some olive oil and she prayed for it. And it was instantly gone. She, you know, my toe was, 
not hurting. And I said, look, I believe because she was taking communion consistently and praying with her brother that she was uh, well-versed and like a doctor that's well-mechanic that knows the trade. She knew the trade, how to use her appropriate faith in prayer. That's exactly true. And I I got healed. So now... I have a shoulder that the tendon is hurting me. You know, we've been praying, and I tell you, you got to concentrate, concentrate. <laughs> so what we got to probably do is start taking communion yes. on a daily basis. And, and we're usually pretty good about taking communion, but now we got to do it in agreement together, consistently, speaking God's word, and just moving forward with thanksgiving and believing you know, you know, believe it or not, sometimes, yes, we may study the Word of God, but, you know, these tests are going to come. What are we going to do? Are we going to stand on God's Word? Are we going to just say, well, He doesn't have grace for this problem? When the, the Scripture says that um, He has super abounding grace for problems and issues mm-hmm. and things that we go through in life. And so it's just a, it's like a supply that we can request from heaven because it's unlimited and because it's a provision that Jesus supplied at the cross for us as an inheritance. So, you know, he didn't say that we weren't going to go through some things down here on the earth. He said, you know, you're going to go through some trials and things, but be of good cheer. I've overcome. So, that's an encouragement for us. We have to stay, you know, planted in faith and not cast away our confidence. I think that's a real important key point is that we stay, you know, um, hunkered down in the faith and the, in, in the promise of God that, that Jesus did the work already and it belongs to you and you receive it no matter what you feel or your symptom. And, and and we just have to keep on pushing into that that process or, amen, that, amen. or that thought. You know, because I have witnessed it. I have witnessed this many times, many times. Not that not that was actually I think that because of that, what I went through with him, although it was really hard for me, I was away from home and you know, there was a lot of details, but God chose me to do it, so I, I, I obeyed. But that strengthened my faith so much. I just, you know, I prayed beforehand. I prayed everything through from the beginning. It was prophetic prayer, and and um, as we got closer to it, it was it was crying out to God, you know, um, and just, you know, just dialoguing with God and speaking his word and declaring his word and and to the point where okay he went through it and then it was day by day a speaking the word of God appropriating my faith with the word you know that that I just it caused me to be my faith just increased like a thousandfold I believe so there's many more testimonies um, that I have where I've seen the miracles of God 
in situations. Um, you know, one took seven years, but it happened. Amen. One Amen. took seven years, but it happened. But I didn't stop doing communion, and I didn't stop interceding, and I didn't start speaking faith when it didn't look good. Yeah, I'm a believer. I yeah. thought I was going to need surgery. I was 100 convinced I was going to need surgery on my toe because I have busted bones from playing basketball and football and and a lot of uh, you know industry injuries on my feet. And I have never got them fixed. You know, I get... You know, the, they act up once in a while, the uh, busted bones. But I learned to to accept them and, and deal with them. So, Anna's got her work to do. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming down here. Thank you so much, Anna, for helping us to understand the Bible more and what Abraham is and all your insights. I just, I always tell Anna she has, she has her uh, hard drives inside, you know, that haven't been used yet. They've been preserved for us for the Word of God. So we're grateful if we can go there and she can help us understand Scripture. Would you like to pray us out, please? Yes, Father God, we're just so grateful for this time to speak and learn and digest and, and refresh and renew our minds, Lord. We just and we thank you that we, you've given us the mind of Christ and you want us to um, our minds to be transformed from the world. Um, and to renew our minds um, daily, Lord, because um, it's it's always about a faith, Lord, that we have to walk through these these tests here on the earth, Lord. And thank you that you give us the wisdom for it, and thank you that you always guide us and you always hear us, Lord. And we just thank you, Father, for encouraging those that are listening today, Lord, as we just discussed. Um, ff bosworth and and the um revelation nuggets that are coming at us about healing and how to appropriate our faith help us show us and teach us but speak to us in a dream even uh father god um the steps that we need to to take to to hold on to our faith and and to you know whatever that that is for that that person lord to to stand um, strong on your word and your promise that you always do what you say you're going to do. I just declare that, Lord, that many will know that and begin to, to, to feel that inside of their spirit as they meditate on your word and your truth, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that, you know, we just declare also, if somebody needs healing as they're listening to this, we declare by the word of God that according to Isaiah 53, 5, that Jesus was wounded for our transgression. He was, he was um, bruised for our inequities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And that's the truth, no matter what we feel or see in the natural, Lord. So thank you for helping us to overcome and develop in this area even, God, that we would continue to stay steadfast in every situation of our lives, knowing that you always hear us, Father God, because you're a good, good Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus.